This is a Hot Pie Media original. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. Help. Better help. Now, is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, everybody who listens to Stop Self-Sabotage has something that they want for themselves that they are not getting because they feel that they're frustrated or they wouldn't be listening. They want more. And personally, when I first became a therapist, I went into therapy because I was so hurt in an emotional relationship. And I wanted to repair that. And BetterHelp is a place that you can do just that for yourself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Better help is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists as needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. One of them is Anthony wrote, Karen is great. She's attentive, gives great advice, and really makes you think about your issues so you can resolve them in a fashion where you are comfortable. Visit betterhelp.com slash SSS. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are now recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. We have a special offer for you. For Stop Self-Sabotage listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash SSS. As a therapist myself, I can't recommend them more sincerely. Go online, talk to them. They will be very attentive to your needs and they will get you the help you want. I am here with the lovely Hesu Joe, and we are talking about therapy, one of my favorite topics, uh, because I've been a therapist for decades. Uh, and you are with BetterHelp. Please tell me what BetterHelp is. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me again. My name is Hesu Joe, um, and I'm part of the clinical operations team at BetterHelp, which is an online counseling platform, online therapy platform, I should say. And what does that mean? You know, we have so many apps and we have so many services that we can now get done online. There's dating apps to find your potential partner. There are brokerage apps so you can close on escrow for your home. And now there are therapy apps where you can connect with a licensed professional. So what BetterHelp does is we ask you a series of questions. It's kind of like an intake questionnaire for those of you that are familiar with starting out therapy. Um, you give us some info about what's going on, what you would like to seek services for, and even some things about the kind of therapist that you're looking for. And we will do our very best to match you with a therapist that meets that 
search criteria, who's licensed in the place that you are located. Um, and from there, you can start talking with a licensed therapist through our application, which means uh, messaging back and forth. Um, so that component's not in real time. You can think of it like the email. You send an email out, you know, you'll get a response at some point, but maybe not right away. You can also schedule live sessions with your therapist. Um, and those live sessions can be done over video. So as long as you have a computer or a smartphone with video capability, you can do that. You can also do an audio session. And that's, again, through your computer or through your smartphone, you can have a phone session or an instant messaging session. So if you're more comfortable with written expression or getting your thoughts out through chat, that's also an option. Wonderful. And and is this a 24-hour service? I mean, can you... You can message, of course, and send text messages. But if I was having a struggle in the middle of the night, could mm -hmm. I call or message and, and get some help then? That's a great question because no, BetterHelp is not a crisis service and there is not immediate support available to you 24-7. Um, that messaging space that you can connect with your therapist, that is available to you 24-7. But it's, it's similar to email. You can email somebody at any time. Sure. But if you're emailing someone at 3 a.m., it's very unlikely that they'll respond unless they happen to be looking at their computer or phone right at that moment. Sure. Um, so we have, yeah, we have, you know... Um, information available on the website, as well as an option for you to mark a message as urgent. And the information that we have will be presented to you if you mark a message as urgent to show you uh, how to text crisis text line, which is a 24-7 crisis de-escalation hotline. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll also send a message and an alert to your therapist indicating that you've marked a message as urgent so that when they do log in the next time, they'll see your message right away. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are in crisis now, if you are in immediate need of some kind of support, if you are in grave danger yourself or you feel or you're fearful of harming somebody else, that's when it's more appropriate to call 911. That's more appropriate to get emergency services to you straight away. Um, so BetterHelp, you can really think of it as connecting with a therapist more on um, a more scheduled basis. You have time to process, work on goals together. Um, and uh, for that reason, you're not going to be able to find that immediate crisis support through the platform. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, what are the biggest reasons that you find that people contact you for therapy? Um, uh, probably the biggest reasons that anybody contacts somebody for therapy is depression, stress, and anxiety. Um, but that's certainly not the only reason somebody would try online therapy. Like every kind of thing or presenting concern that you would find in a therapist's office, you will find folks finding us for those reasons. And then on top of that, people are now turning to the online option because of convenience, because of how discreet it is. Sure. Um, and, and these days, really, because it's a safer option than trying to figure out whether you can meet someone face to face. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken with a number of therapist colleagues and friends of mine now that have tried and attempted the in-person thing with masks on. And what I'm hearing now is having an in-person session with your mask on is even more challenging than doing um, a scheduled session over video. There's something about not being able to see someone's face at all, but yeah. you're looking at them, which makes it challenging, I think. And, yeah. And I don't know why, but if you're like me, but when I have my mask on, I can't hear either. I mean, I shouldn't right. be able to Right. Something hear. about it. There's so we're something. leaning closer, even though we're, we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, I think we can't read each other's 
or let me backtrack. I don't think I'm a skilled lip reader, but when <laughs> someone is wearing a mask, I suddenly realize how much I'm relying on looking at their mouth also. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So I'm right there with you with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, but, uh, and, and I'm sure you have some statistics on this and, and it doesn't matter really, but the point being is that the pandemic has brought out every mental disorder that we can imagine five mm-hmm. times over. So the depression rates, the anxiety rates, the, the phobic rates, all these mm-hmm. rates are skyrocketing. And um, do you have any just general thought about why that happens or why that is happening? Yeah, um, it's tough when we hear those things because it's certainly factual. On top of everything you've listed, you know, the rate of suicide has also increased sure. the rate of substance use, you know, not mm-hmm. just folks starting to use substance, but folks that have been clean for decades um, that have abstained for such a long time are relapsing during this time. And now going back to your question, why is this happening? I probably don't know the answer for every single person, but just looking at my own life and and about a year ago when this was in the the peak of all things, right? Everything was shut down. We were advised to stay in our homes, stay away from everybody. Don't go meet your mom. You know, you definitely don't want to hug her. Like all these things compounded together, taking away our social support in person, taking away our healthy coping things like, you know, going outside to hike. Even the county and state parks were closed at a certain point. And, you know, we're not allowed to go see our friends or make plans together. And, you know, just exercise even like all these things that we used as healthy, healthy ways to cope with life when that was stripped away. And when we were told to stay inside, I think now we're almost forced to look inward. Everybody was forced to get introspective. Nobody was allowed to distract themselves with anything on the outside. And so all that was left because everything outside was so quiet was all the noise that's going on inside. Some folks have pushed this away or effectively ignored it for years And when things are so quiet outside, the only thing you can start doing is listening to all those thoughts, listening to all those feelings and starting to believe even some thoughts and feelings that may not be true for you. Um, So I think that's certainly part of it is just the isolation piece. Everything bubbled up. Yeah. There was no more blockages out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To block Mm -hmm. the the feelings. All right. So you said, let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper, deeper on this. So people should call you, of course, um, and come into therapy when they find what, when they find that they're too depressed, when they find Mm -hmm. they're too anxious, when they find they're too, going back to substance abuse. So walk me through, how would I know if I'm depressed? Versus Ooh, um, just right, right. Sad. Like, what are the signs? Yeah. How, how would I know that I yeah. should probably talk to somebody? That's right. You know, like with our physical ailments, it's a little bit more clear. Sometimes it makes a little bit more sense. And, you know, we've grown up being taught to pay attention to certain things. Do you have a runny nose? Do you have a fever? Is your throat scratchy? Do you have muscle fatigue? These are, these are things that from young children age, we learn to pay attention to because our parents teach us about these things. They say, if you have these symptoms, you probably have a cold and it's probably wise to do these things. Drink a lot of fluids, get a lot of rest, stay home from work. However, with mental and emotional challenges, many of us were not taught this stuff since we were small. If anything, many of us come from families that tell us to suck it up, to grow some grit and go to school and do what you're supposed to do, right? So it is very difficult to look for those signs. And sometimes I think people 
may even notice those signs and and will themselves to ignore them because now we also have a society and a culture that thinks being vulnerable or showing a moment of need is somehow equated to being weak or being like you know lacking of strength in order to help yourself and that's that's so far from the truth um i think with physical ailments nobody bats an eye if you go see a doctor because you have a fever but for whatever reason now it's it's hard to be open about it so it's important to ask this question i think if you just notice that your mood is off if you're having difficulty maintaining your interpersonal relationships especially the folks that are really close to you if you find yourself tired and like lethargic all the time and you don't have any motivation to do anything or if you notice um like a loss of interest in the things that you used to enjoy um that's called anhedonia um it's a word there's a word for it because therapists are talking about this stuff all the time trying to help you identify what these things are to look out for you know i think if you notice that your performance at work or at school whatever your primary way of spending most of your hours a day. If you're having a hard time getting through that, that could be something to pay attention to. Sure. I also don't think that you should wait until signs to see a therapist, right? Like, you know, for dentists, I'm using a lot of uh, medical model type of analogies because it makes so much sense for us. For a dentist, it's recommended that we go see a dentist at least twice a year to get our teeth cleaned. Not because we have toothaches, not because we see something rotting in our gums, but just it's a regular preventative sure. measure sure. so that a professional can check it out, make sure everything's all good and get you cleaned up. And I think of mental health and therapy as, as an option like that too, something that can be preventative. So even if you don't feel like something is off, but you'd like to talk to somebody, maybe you want to have increased insight. Maybe you want to learn something more about yourself. You want to just bring more improved communication, more love, more respect, understanding into your relationship. These are all really good reasons to consider trying therapy out. I Well, yeah, that's a really good point because when I was a practicing therapist in an office, you know, and mm-hmm. I would have people come in, you know, 40 people a week or whatever it was, um, you know, no one ever came in to say, Pat, I'm just having a great day. <laughs> it was always, this is what the problem is. This is mm-hmm. what's going wrong, you know? And I think that um, the idea of having a therapist to talk about, uh, to talk with about something it that could be preventative, that could be um, enlarging your spirit, your consciousness, your ability mm-hmm. to make life work. I think that is a really good investment. One of the things I used to tell people is I, I said, look, we go out and we buy real estate, you know, and it's an investment. I mean, your house is an investment or whatever you buy. It costs some money, of course, but it pays itself back. And so therapy is an internal investment. I've never Mm -hmm. seen anybody do worse after going to therapy. You know, they learn things. Now, they may have a stumbling block. They may have something Mm -hmm. else happen, of course, but they don't totally reverse, you know, usually. I have to say usually because they've learned something and they've invested Mm -hmm. in themselves. Um, So, okay, we talked about depression little bit. You've given some good ways of looking at yourself and when you're depressed. How about anxiety? How do you know that you're too anxious? Oh, well, you know, anxiety is like generally pretty future focused, right? It's like you start noticing things like being worried or um, just maybe over preparing for something that may or may not happen. You know, the telltale signs of anxiety are just increased heart rate, uh, perspiration, um, racing thoughts, clammy hands, cold hands and feet, gastrointestinal discomfort. 
Um, that just means like tummy aches all the time. And all of these things are happening because there was a time in our human history where having these kinds of symptoms was helpful for us. It helped us plan ahead. It helped us survive. It made sure we were spending a lot of our time looking for food, um, keeping ourselves and our families safe from threats and danger. But, you know, for the modern contemporary working professional, there isn't that much immediate danger in your neighborhood. You don't have to worry about predators coming after you and your food. <laughs> you don't really have to worry too much about setting aside hours and hours to hunt for berries and find the right things, you know. True. Um, True. So now we're, we're not expending that anxious energy, which is which is all about your body trying to protect itself from a perceived threat from danger. Yes. Uh, but now we're just, you know, sitting at our computers all day and letting all that anxious <laughs> energy build up so Hold much. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and like you said, with the, with the restrictions on our, um, are on our um, escape valves for that energy. It mm-hmm. is just building and building and building. And so talking it through, having someone who will listen and just mm-hmm. what is the what is the payoff of just having um, a informed, trained person that's listening to you? What, what do you get as a patient in that realm? You know, you get you get so much you can you potentially get the experience of somebody just being present for you. Um, You know, our our friends and our family really, really mean well. They love us so much. They care so much about us. Yes. But a lot of times their relationships with us are also very important to them. And so there's this emotional entanglement that happens. Yes. What they say they're probably going to be saying it to protect their relationship and their sense of self too. So it could be that what they're saying might not be in your best interest. It could be in their best interest and they're not even realizing that they're doing that. Um, And, you know, a trained professional is also going to be able to validate what you're saying. Um, My mom has the best intentions, but she's great at the platitudes. Like everything's going to be fine. (laughs) Just wait it out and time heals all things. And it's like, thanks mom. But you know, I need yeah. some skills. I need some real life things coping. that I can intervene yeah. with. Yeah. Coping mechanisms, that kind of stuff. Right. And that's what you're going to get from a therapist and maybe not your mom. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, with this professional too, they are this thing. I'm, I'm going to speak as a therapist now. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to gain your approval um, as a friend anyway. Um, what I'm here to do is to help you identify what are the things that you want to improve in your life or what are the goals that you want to achieve. I'm going to accompany you on this journey rather than sticking in my agenda. I'm not going to try to make you do it the way that I think is appropriate, which a lot of our well-meaning friends and family sometimes intentionally or unintentionally do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, with this with this working professional, you get so many opportunities to just focus on yourself, to really think um, about your personal values and exploration of such. Um, and you get someone who cares deeply for you, right? But it's in a different way. It's, it's in a way that's contained, that's protected, that's sacred. Um, remember everything you talk about with your therapist is confidential. So it could be that some secret in your life is eating away at you. Just having a space to let that out can be, I think, monumentally powerful. You know, keeping stuff inside that shouldn't stay inside is how we get sick. We have to, um, you know, yeah, yeah, we have to let stuff out. You gotta, you can't just like keep this stuff rotting inside of you forever. Um, And so this trained professional in front of you is going to be such a great resource um, and another human uh, to accompany you on this journey, which I think is so great. Well, I, you know, and it's interesting. I saw a, um, 
uh, musical last night. It was called Into the Woods. And they had- Oh, a, I love that one. Yeah, it's a great one. And it, yeah. at the end, they have this touching song. It, called, it says, no one is alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that many of us feel deeply alone. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of the benefits of therapy, and as I've been a therapist, is uh, I, I guess I still am. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't practice like you do anymore. But um, is that you don't feel alone. That there is mm-hmm. someone there, as you said, not a friend, but someone who does care. Because I always cared for my clients, and I'm sure you do too. You Absolutely. want the best for them. And there is an energetic exchange when somebody feels that you were there for their betterment, mm-hmm. that for their best self, that you mm-hmm. that is your agenda to help them get there in the way they want to get there, but you know, to be there for them. And that doesn't happen very much in our, our world, except in therapy, I think. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was beautifully said, the energetic, you know, connection. And, and the other thing I, I thought of while you were speaking is like, this therapist also has a priority to keep you safe mentally, yes. emotionally, physically. Yes. Um, and, and that's such a paramount thing because like, of course, your mom wants to make sure you're safe too. <laughs> um, but she may not know local resources that are available to you when you go into crisis or if you are in need of immediate support at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, so these, these are really good things to get connected to a therapist for also. Well, let's talk about some of the words we use. And I think people sometimes misunderstand some of these terminologies. Um, Can we talk about the difference between sadness and Mm -hmm. grief? Sure. That's a big one. Um, You know, everybody experiences sadness from time to time. Um, It's, you know, a regular part of our feelings chart. And, uh, you know, sadness can hit us from something as small as like, oh, I missed my my time by a couple of minutes and I couldn't get my letter out with the postman to get into the mail today. And now I'm bummed because that was something I needed to do. Yeah. And it could be as big as, you know, something that's far more significant in your life, maybe a loss. And then that can turn into what we know as grief. Um, grief is, I think, much bigger than sadness because now there's a whole bunch of other feelings that can come when you are grieving. Right, um, right. Grief as a reminder to folks is, is what happens to us when we've experienced a significant loss. And I think a lot of people think that grief only happens when we lose someone to death. And now we know that that's not the case. We can also grieve over a lost job. We can yes. grieve over a lost home, yes. pets even, or a relationship. Sure. The person may still be alive and well, but we can grieve over the loss of a relationship in another person. You know, with grief, like I said, like all these other feelings can come. It's not just about feeling sadness. Folks that are grieving also report just never being hungry, you know, feeling empty, hollow, not being able to sleep. Some folks lose the ability to speak effectively. So it's really hard to go to work. It's hard to see their remaining living people that really want to spend time with them. Um, And, you know, if if folks out there are not familiar, um, you might want to check out Kubler-Ross. There's, there's this, um, now, you know, some folks will say this is a dated model of how we look at grief, but I still think it's really uh, valuable to yeah. think about stages of grief because a lot of people can relate to this stuff. Oh, they can. Um, yeah. 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 And, and um, I think you had mentioned that you can help us all learn too about the different five stages there. Well, th- yes, there are five stages. I had, I had the um, 
great honor of studying with her a little bit um, uh, before she died. And, and she was the first one who said, grief isn't just crying. She mm-hmm. said, there are stages, you know, there's a uh, denial uh, that I'm not in grief. You know, it's not happening. Um, and, the, and people can stay in denial for a long time. Now, that isn't usually about a death, but it can be about other things. Uh, mm-hmm. So my, my marriage really isn't breaking up. So I deny right. it. Then there's the bargaining stage where I'm trying to give you something to get something. I'm trying to negotiate my way out of having to experience the grief. And so there's mm-hmm. that kind of, okay, if I remember when we were kids, mommy, if you let me have a puppy, you know, I'll always take care of it or, <laughs> or, or I'll go to church if you let me stay up late. So we're bargaining, mm-hmm. we're bargaining. I'll give you this if you give me that. Um, and sometimes that works in different relationships. And if it works, then you exit the grief cycle. But if it doesn't work, you go into the other stages, the ones that people uh, know, uh, sadness. And that is when you cry. That is when you feel sad. And um, men typically have more trouble with that than women. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've got to invite people to allow themselves to have that um, anger. And men usually have, I know I'm being whatever I'm being, but um, this tends to be true. Men men tend to be better at that than women. So women most, a lot of times have to be invited to express their anger in ways that they feel okay about Um, because you're angry at the loss. You know, you're angry Mm -hmm. that, that you didn't get to keep what you wanted to keep, whatever that keep Mm -hmm. is a job, Mm -hmm. a relationship, whatever. And then um, depression, of course, which is uh, part of it, um, where you just, you know, you just kind of give up. You kind of lay down on the couch and, you know, let the world wash over you and and you mm-hmm. get more and more um, uh, immobile. And then uh, at some point in time, you hit acceptance. And so there, these stages are, they're not sequential. You can mm-hmm. go through one, go back to one. You can bounce around. And it takes, depending on the loss, it can take many, many months, maybe even yeah. years, you know, absolutely to, uh, to negotiate the whole river of that loss and um, that grief. And so that's where I think really long-term investment in therapy really pays off. Because if you are stuck in a major grief, like you've lost a spouse, mm-hmm. um, it's very hard to get out of that on your own. And um, many women my age don't. They stay stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's very sad, I think. So yeah, yeah. call better help. <laughs> you know, get help. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please get yourself. help. Please yeah. get help. Yeah. And anything that you really feel badly about, don't you think, you know, that you're really struggling with, that you don't see a way out of that on your own, that's mm-hmm. the time to, to reach out as well. Right. The stuckness, um, you know, thinking that you're going to get a different outcome by trying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Uh, don't quote me because I might be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure Albert Einstein has been quoted as saying that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. Right. Is to somebody said it. Yeah. 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 Somebody, somebody out there that's smart, <laughs> they, um, yeah. wiser than I, yeah. I and, and I agree with it. I believe it. So it's therapy is a way to kind of change things up. Sometimes right. it can feel like a, ch- a shock to your system because you have been stuck in this rut for such a long time. Um, but, you know, I think 
if you are having the thought even that's like, I wish I could want to feel better, that's a good reason to consider seeing a therapist too. Absolutely. Well, when I first got in therapy, you know, um, in uh, quite a while ago, it's because it's because I had a breakup with a mm-hmm. with a guy, and uh, I thought I am never going to feel. Um, I'm never going to, you know, find a better relationship. I'm never going to find anybody who's going to love me. I went into all this cascading negative thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and I got depressed. So that was the time that I decided that I would invest in myself. And what what had happened? Kind of an interesting story. I was at I was right after college. I had moved back in with my parents, which you know can make anybody depressed if you're 20, <laughs> 21 years old. And um, I was in my room, really rotting, becoming a vegetable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like mm-hmm. this. And my shoulders literally were up like this. And my yeah, parents attention. were talking, yeah, were talking about surgery, right? And I had uh, gone to college and I had my degree in a major and uh, minor in psychology. And I said, I think this is psychological. No, 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 no. Not our daughter. No, no, no. Couldn't, couldn't be that. And I said, yeah, I think it is. So I got on the phone, interestingly enough, because I was a long ways from the person I knew and started talking, you know, just what mm-hmm. you guys are doing. And, um, and the first time we talked, I cried. And my mm-hmm. shoulders came down a little bit. The next time we talked, I got mad, came down more. And I and I said, this is it. I want to do this. And it mm-hmm. changed my life. You know, it became the reason I went from political science to psychology, became a therapist myself. So That's we all beautiful. have our reasons, you know, we all yeah. have our emotional experiences. And I still, you know, I still go to therapy. You know, people go, you're a therapist, you go to therapy? I said, Yeah. You know? Oh, we need it the most of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love the line. It says it takes two to see one. It takes mm. two to see. So I need somebody else to help me see myself. You know, I'm not I'm not clear about all this. And nobody can no. be. Nobody can be. So, okay. So we know about grief now. We know about sadness as part of grief, but it can also stand on its own. What about guilt and shame? What do you, what do you think about those? Some of my favorite topics, really, Um, you know, guilt and shame. I I feel like these are things that manifest inside of us after something else. It's usually because something has happened. Now, a lot of times it's because we've done something guilt. I think is when we really feel bad about something that we've done maybe to another person. And some part of us feels like I could have done something differently. I should have done something differently. And now I feel really bad because I know somebody else doesn't feel good because of something that I said or did. Right. Now, shame, I think, takes another step further, right? Shame is now taking that bad feeling and applying it inward. I did a bad thing because I'm a bad person. I must have been doing this bad thing because I am not worthy, I have all these bad things about me. And so after, you know, after somebody experiences feeling a guilty thing, oftentimes they can feel better from that because they say, sorry, they get forgiveness from someone. They're able to move on. Shame, I think, is much harder to move on from because you've adopted a really negative core belief about yourself. And now you're going to move through this world. You're going to navigate through life thinking, you know, I'm a bad person. So all b- bad things happen because I deserve that as a bad person. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Guilt. Guilt. I, I, I'm total agreement. Guilt is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And these things can manifest and look differently um, in different cultures, even, mm. you know, we, we look at sure. East Asian culture specifically, I can speak to this because um, for folks that can't see me, um, I am Korean American and I grew up with immigrant parents who raised me the way that they were raised in a country that is now known as a shame honor based society. So we see shame come up so pervasively in certain cultures that we have a term for it now. Um, and, and it does a lot to people. And that's part of my personal story and why I became a therapist. Yeah. Well, good. So to overcome that feeling of shame then, mm-hmm. yeah, Absolutely. To, to move through it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because as I work with people, um, you know, so many people feel guilty. And I, I think that there is appropriate and inappropriate guilt. Um, appropriate guilt, I would say, I, I trip, fall on you and break your arm. Now, I should and would feel really bad about that and feel guilty mm-hmm. that I tripped and hurt you. And I apologize. I'd probably bring you flowers. I do something to make it up to you. But inappropriate guilt I, I believe is walking around feeling guilty that you didn't do something for somebody else or that mm. you should always be the caretaker or you should always know what other people want. It's the, it's the shoulds of life. Mm. And if you scratch that a little bit with people I've worked with, um, maybe you can tell me if this fits with you. When I scratch that kind of inappropriate guilt a little bit, I find a lot of anger underneath mm-hmm. that you resent who you think is making you feel guilty. Mm. What do you think about that? It's a really interesting thought. I don't think I've actually ever thought about it that way. Um, but yeah, with, with the inappropriate guilt, I do find that there are often other interpersonal issues that this person finds themselves in on a pretty regular basis. Sure. Um, Caretaking, rescuing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think a lot of people with, with, just like feelings of resentment, like you said, or being angry at something, upset with something, and they haven't processed it. They haven't gotten over it. They are figuratively and literally holding a grudge until the end of night. Like, of course, that's going to have an impact on everything else that they do because they have all this wound up stuff inside um, that's now taking over. Right. Uh, So I think, I think what you're saying absolutely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I talk about the rescue triangle with rescuers, victims and persecutors, and that you buy a ticket and you take a ride, you go around the triangle, you know? And, um, so if you're, if you're feeling guilty and then you try to handle that by giving more, you usually end up feeling more, uh, feeling victimized by that. That's a whole Mm -hmm. other conversation. Maybe we can have Mm -hmm. another time. What would you say to people who are listening and all the people out there who are listening and they're going, Hmm, I don't know. Maybe I should call. Maybe I shouldn't. Tell me what your closing statement would be to that. Or, um, you know, if you're on the fence, that means some part of you has already considered this. And, and now you just have like the skepticism, the hangups, the fear of the unknown, um, the uncertainty that something is going to change in your life. I want you to think back to every other big decision that you've made in life. You've probably done some fence sitting before then, too, because you're weighing out the risks, the benefits, my investment, the return, all this stuff, all the things that we're taught to do from such a young age. Sure. And, you know, all the big decisions in your life that ended up going in a good way for you. Imagine if you had chosen not to because of that fear, because you let fear hold you back from something that could be better. Um, 
you know, I can't force anybody to go to therapy and I don't recommend you try to force your friends to go either. Um, um, instead it's about somebody considering what could be on the other side. And if you're just considering it, I kind of want to say like, what do you have to lose here? Right. Because if you choose not to do it, you can continue on the way that you always have. You can stay in your rut. You can continue on with your patterns that aren't very healthy. You can continue on every day wondering, could I feel better? I don't know. Or you could just try it and you find that it's not for you. I don't want you to stop. You know, there's so many different forms of therapy now. There's so many different options for you available. You don't have to just do it online. You can consider all these other things that you can check out. Um, Don't stop because you're fearful of things getting worse, right? Because right now things are pretty bad mm-hmm. and things could get worse if you don't do anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And specifically with BetterHelp, if you try it out and you find that you don't really like the experience, you can always contact us and we do process refunds. And that's something I want to say because in a lot Good. of settings, you're not going to get a refund because you didn't like the session with your therapist. No. Oh, um, no. But with BetterHelp, contact us. If not a refund and instead you want to try a new therapist, we'll extend the time that you've already paid for. So you can just try over it. You can start again. And and we want to support your search. We know how challenging it can be to find the right person that feels safe for you. And so you, we want you to have the option to change therapists and look for the right person. Um, and so we'll continue to that. support your journey. Yeah. I love and so that. And that would be my encouragement. Oh, good. And what I want to say too is I think out of your graciousness, uh, better helps graciousness that the people who call you from hearing this um, podcast um, mm-hmm. get 10% off for the first month. How cool That's is great. that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we want to make it uh, an option, right? We want to help reduce. Maybe someday eliminate all the barriers that people will report about why they don't seek out care. Um, You know, at at this point, coming back to my medical analogies, you know, if your friend trips and falls on you and you break your arm, chances are you're going to see a doctor. Maybe not in the next hour, but you will take yourself to a doctor because you can't live the rest of your life with your bones sticking out of your arm. Right. Um, It's the same thing with therapy, even though it's not as visible. Maybe it's not an overt physical pain like that. Um, but I hope we can get to a point where in society, nobody questions your motives or your character or whether you're still a good person or not, because you've considered trying this thing out. Um, well, I'm going to tell you, you know mm -hmm. this too, um, excuse me for interrupting, but you know, the Prince Harry's, the, uh, the Michael Phelps, the, the girl, I've forgotten her name in the Olympics. I mean, they are helping, they are helping Mm -hmm validate the need for emotional support. And I love that because Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that's new in the culture. And I think that's moving towards your point of take a risk. You don't have anything to lose. You really don't. Um, Particularly with your, um, with your criteria that BetterHelp is working with. And, you know, I had a, a, a dear friend who wrote a book called feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm. So if you're afraid, okay. Fair enough. Everybody's afraid, essentially, when you're taking a new step, but do it anyway. Call BetterHelp anyway. Invest in yourself. So that's what I would say. Thank you so much for being on the program. You've just been a, a, a delight to chat with. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.